sad today, you know? It's all because of this man. This man right here. Thank you for joining me today, Daniel. Are you feeling sad? Are you okay? What, 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 what's up with today's uh, episode title? Um, yeah, Mike, I'm, uh, I'm also very sad. And I'm sure the audience will be very sad when they realize that I am again prompting us to do something that will make them sad. You monster. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you uh, got the idea to do saddest video game moments, and it was quite sad, right? Um, what's up with this, Daniel? Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> because I like to hurt my... Oh, man. Yeah, today, uh, as you read on the episode title uh, for this week's Dorkiest episode, we're going to stray a little bit from um, the video game medium uh, for this week's episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the saddest, uh, five of the saddest movie moments, which, you know, I mean, you had this all queued up and ready to go. You know, we were talking a little bit off air. You made a little bit of adjustments. This was a hard one for me to put together, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, sadness we associate in the heart and the soul as a negative feeling. We don't always want to conjure that up unless you listen to like, music like from brian fallon or the castlight anthem or or you know things like that but those of you who love music um uh, what besides wanting to hurt daniel like what what is your relationship with like sad movies do you like to seek out sad movies is it just like stuff that like sneaks up on you well i definitely don't i at least i hope i don't seek out sad movies intentionally Mm -hmm. i say but yeah i just think there's something about like that a piece of uh of art like in a visual medium like that, that can make you feel something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And I, I do like when you really think about it, it's like how like just actors on a screen can make you feel that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it's, it definitely makes you feel human, you know, and it, and it helps, you know, like I mentioned, it's an, it's a feeling that we associate in the negative connotation. So we'd like to avoid it. But when we come across, whether it's, you know, sad songs or sad video game moments or sad TV shows or sad movies, you know, it helps remind us that we are human and we relate to other people being sad. And, uh, you know, so these moments stick with us. And boy, howdy, do some of these moments stick with us. So we're going to talk about some of our... Is favorite the right word? I guess more <laughs> memorable. Yeah, like favorite. I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, someone all right, baby. The year favorite. was two thousand nine. I was so sad. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, like I said, some of these scenes do come from some of my favorite movies. But I don't think oh, this yeah, is what absolutely. makes them my favorite movies. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I beg to differ, my friends. <laughs> all right then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, some of the, uh, so when I was coming up with um, the list of moments that I'd like to share, I, I realized that while I was putting my list together that like some of the, my, f- I, I'm going to use the word favorite. Some of my favorite moments of sad moments in movies are when they come from movies that you don't always expect, right? You, you go to an action movie or you go to a big comic book movie and you know you expect to see like spider-man or you expect to see you know iron man or batman or things like that you don't you don't expect to go on a feels trip you know oh you, yeah you, you yeah you go to a you go to a you go to a disney pixar movie and i guess we should know better now but I mean, <laughs> you, know, you go to a disney picture movie you get disney pixar movie and you're like oh i'll take the family we're gonna have a great time and then like 
oh, my heart is broken within the first 10 minutes. Like, great. I just I just spent money to cry in front of strangers. How fun. So, you know, th- those are those are some of the ones that I came up with. I mean, is, is it about the same for you or did you pick stuff that kind of expected from sad movies? That's it. Yeah, honestly, especially when you said uh, action movies and uh, <clears throat> comic book movies. Oh, no. Are we going to have an overlap? <laughs> I, I, I think we might, Mike. I cool. think we might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I have some that I have to decide. I mean, as of today, August 2nd, when we're recording this, like this is my. I'm going to call it definitive. No, no moments are sadder than this and they never will be sadder than this. But no, uh, I have some ones that are going to go, I guess, unranked for now. And a couple of these like don't count. I wouldn't say like they're like the sad, they're sad moments, more bittersweet, more like uh, just the release of the tension that we've been holding this whole time uh, up until this moment for the, in the scene. Uh, a, a very beautiful, bittersweet moment. This is from a recent movie uh, from uh, Pixar's Coco. Um, the the scene towards the end when Miguel sings uh, Hector's song to Mama Coco and, you know, Mama Coco wakes from her kind of lethargic stupor that she's been in the entire movie. Just, you know, she's very old, right? You know, she's like pushing 400 at this point. So, you know, she, she, you know, but the song like wakes her up and she remembers her father and how she, how he used to sing it as a lullaby. And it's this beautiful shared moment between family and, you know, and, and, and it, and it, and it, and it shows the rest of the family who were, who's always been against music that like, it's okay for Miguel to, you know, seek out being music because it's, you know, it's, it's a part of their heritage, beautiful moment, but uh, you know, and I cried like a baby and I still cry like a baby because the, uh, it's just a bittersweet, beautiful moment from a beautiful movie. Um, I also got like I Am Legend here too, you know, another unexpected one. Um, you know, anytime you go to a movie and you see that that a dog is like the main character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. be careful, dude. <laughs> um, uh, I, I said I meant to this off air that... Uh... We're gonna have another Taylor's tirade. Oh, <laughs> all right. You, you uh, <laughs> you're you're on the right track of thinking with this. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I'm sure many dogs are going to be talked about on uh, on this on this episode. But um, uh, the dog Sam, um, Doctor Neville's, as as far as he knows, his only companion in the entire world, as far as he's concerned. Uh, you know, he she got attacked by a ghoul or a zombie or whatever whatever they're called. And, you know, he takes her home to his little makeshift lab uh, underneath their apartment. And, you know, he's trying his best. Like he's he, he you can t- and, the, and the movie is telling the audience too, like, oh, he's so close to a cure. He's he's he just he, he just needs a little bit more to go and he'll get there. And he tries his best to get Sam to not turn. And, you know, through the beauty of the visual medium, like we see her eyes get bloodshot. We see as we see her teeth clenching and, and um, you know, and then they share this beautiful moment where like Dr. Neville knows that there's nothing more he could do. So he just lies on the floor with her, hugging her and singing Bob Marley, which is a, you know, a, a running motif in that, in, in, in that movie too. And, you know, finally when she's fully turned into uh, one of the monsters, like she, he has to, you know, choke her and put her down. So, you know, no, nobody likes seeing dogs die, you know, innocent yeah. little puppers like they, they weren't meant to die in films. They were meant to 
eat peanut butter off of our spoons and get overly excited over the, the slightest noise and make a lot and, and wake you up in the middle of the night for the dumbest things. But we still love them. You know, that, that, that that's that's the dog's purpose. They don't exactly. Not to, they're not meant to fight ghouls, dude. <laughs> I know. Yes. It's just like, um, like I said, my fiance, she is a very big proponent of does the dog die dot com. Is very, that a real thing? Oh, I, like her. You, when I mentioned this, you didn't know that this is a real website, Mike. You can type in oh, any really? movie into that website ask, and it'll tell you if the dog dies. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to type that in right now. Uh, while you're while I'm doing this, uh, maybe since we're talking about uh, Taylor right now, you want to you want to do this week's rendition of Taylor's tirades? Yes. Uh, this week's Taylor tirade is Herpy and her the saddest movie. It's a movie I'm not totally familiar with, but she has told me about it. A movie called A Dog's Purpose. Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm you know, I'm gonna type that into this 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 search engine right now. A her- dog's purpose. <laughs> but oh, uh dang it, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you reading the synopsis right now, Mike? Oh, like hold on. Erica's in the room with me right now. Like, have have we seen this movie? The, the movie where the dog gets reincarnated and you, you just see it die over and oh, over again. Right. You were like, it looks interesting, but I mean, they just showed the whole movie. Yeah, this is one of those things where the trailer shows the whole movie and like, and I think that's an intentional thing, right? Like, if they want the audience to know that the dog's going to be okay by the end, so they'll so show the whole movie in the trailer. Right? So it's okay to show a dog horrifically dying over oh, and over God, and over and no. over. It's like 10 times in the whole movie, Mike. Oh my gosh, you're it's, right, yeah. It just sounds, I, I told her, I was like, I never want to watch this movie. This sounds horrible. Why did you go see this? But like, it's okay in the end, right? I have no I idea. I mean, like, she, oh, you never seen it? I've never seen it. This is purely her telling about it. She saw it at the oh, theater. Oh gosh. And I've, I've never seen it. I never want to see it. All right, here's what, does the dog die.com say about I am legend? Does the dog die? Yes. A uh, dog, his only, co- his only company and constant companion gets bitten and infected. He tries hard to save her, but she turns. He basically strangles her and hugs her. A friend told me that it isn't bad because you don't really see much, but I legit ugly cried for a long time. Oh, this is all like user generated content. <laughs> yes. I had to pause the movie and it's a really good movie. I'd say watch and fast forward. <laughs> as soon as the dog is infected or just don't watch and never trust a friend's opinion on these matters wow i'm gonna i'm gonna bookmark this dude this is a useful website this website is fascinating when i found out that it was a thing oh wow that's cool (laughs) yeah there's erica just said like oh this is similar to that website is california on fire and it's just a simple yes or no (laughs) isn't that always just yes at this point Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody like abandoned that website a long time ago. It's just stuck on yes, and it's always true. <laughs> uh, this next one, uh, before we uh, before I uh, throw it uh, to you, this one almost made the list. Um, but I think I feel like this movie is cheating because you kind of go into it knowing it's a sad movie, knowing what to expect. And also, it's too real, dude. Like, come on. What, what was I doing? What was I thinking watching this? I was like, oh, yeah, the two lead actors are very very good at their job uh, the, a marriage story from a couple of years ago uh, starring adam driver and scarlett johansson uh specifically uh if you've seen that movie there's a particular scene um i think like in, in the second act or something like they have this gigantic argument that's just been bubbling for the entire f- 
filmed. Like you, you can tell they've, they've been passive aggressive to each other the entire time. Um, you know, they're dealing, they're, they're going through the divorce proceedings too. And it's just been a stressful situation for the both of them. And like, kudos to these two actors for like pulling this scene off and like really really portraying that like unbridled rage that you have for someone you once love and the and i i remember i remember stop either stopped it or paused it as soon as adam driver screams to scarlett johansson every day i wake up and i hope you're dead dead like if i could guarantee henry would be okay i'd hope you get an illness and then get hit by a car and die and either either before or after this like he punches the wall too and then like you see the regret in his eye he immediately gets on his knees and begs for forgiveness like man what a raw real moment dude and like dude i'll admit it like i felt that dude I've, i've i've felt that in my life that shame of like wishing somebody harm like that right and and of course you don't mean it it's just your anger coming out but my goodness like a a a lesser actor would have turned that into like an unintentionally funny moment yeah and yeah so like kudos to those two i think those two like were nominated for oscars for this film too i think yeah i need to watch it i haven't got around to watching it yet but based everything i've heard and i have seen a clip from that scene and i'm like all right, I need to probably watch this. Yeah, it's one of those scenes that like it, it, it was definitely clipped out, you know, put on YouTube immediately and like shared around people. Because, I mean, the context aside, it, it is just an, an acting showcase. And, you know, most people, myself included, were introduced to Adam Driver because of the Star Wars movies. And, and you know, and he's great in those films. But like you don't get to see him as an actor, like just just giving it his all and. Like you can tell like the scene, like how many times do they have to do that scene too? Like it makes me There's, wonder like, yeah, how draining that could be, you know? So yeah. Like, are we whew. seeing like the 12th take of him doing that scene? Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine, man. Like if, if it took, if it took him more like 10 times to do that, like, but you know, kudos for the, on the director yeah. to like make sure that they got the right take. But, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine like the toll it would take on your psyche and, and even like, Scarlett Johansson's character and Scarlett Johansson as a person like to sit there and take that oh my gosh yeah sad (laughs) Uh, Sad. I got one more here (laughs) yeah this is a sad episode if you haven't uh already uh garnered that uh just one more here um uh Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse my gosh one of my favorite movies of all time roller coaster of emotions in that movie dude and um one emotion in particular sadness uh, uh, right before the, the the start of the third act, right? Like Miles is just he's just at his lowest point, right? He doesn't he doesn't believe himself. He can't control his powers. He just found out his uncle is the Prowler and working with Kingpin, and that cost him his life. And just like Peter and his Spider Man lore, he lost his uncle, and you and it's almost as if it's inevitable that you have to lose your uncle to become Spider Man. And I gotta say, Mike. And only, Real quick, you're blowing my mind with that because I, ju- I just realized that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't ever. I guess I never missed. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting. Spider-Man. Yeah, it's a very interesting parallel. And I think I, I told it was either Erica or Zoe that and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's, it is interesting that like both Peter and Miles lost their uncle. But um, anyway, um, 
and 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 to make matters worse too like the other spider people um they've got the plan all hatched out right and they're ready they're ready to go get the super collider blown up and go back to their own timeline but you know there's one thing they got to do they got to tell miles that he's not ready he can't come and all he's been trying to do is like help these people and to prove that he's worthy and he's not and peter you know finally has like a a mentor moment with him webs him up into a chair tapes up his mouth so he just lets so we can let him finish and you know and basically tells him like you know it's a leap of faith and you're not ready dude and to make it worse his father like and 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 brilliantly too like the film switches to like the port where like the uh, the door is is physically dividing them like miles and his dad and you know and and his dad comes to his door uh not knowing that he's spider-man of course and tries to tell him that uncle aaron's dead and not only that but like he's also trying to apologize for getting in his way and um you know or getting in his way of his creativity and you know, as if this isn't like a bad time or something like it's, he's also telling how much he loves him as a father. And like, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And one day you're going to do great things again, not knowing that he's Spider-Man and, you know, and he not knowing that he already knows Aaron's dead and like, Oh my gosh, it's just a roller coaster of emotion. And, and then, and then the rest of the movie happens and it's an exhilarating ride. And <laughs> <laughs> we just take a little five minute break to, you know, to prove that we're human for a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Mike, I have a question. Is Spider-Man the saddest superhero? Because we talked about Spider-Man in our saddest game moments. You've already That's mentioned right, him we did. in yeah. our saddest <laughs> moments. And spoiler, at least on my end, this is not the last time we're going to talk about Spider-Man. Oh, come on, Daniel. We got to talk about Spider-Man some more. All right. <laughs> it's just like, we just so like, like a, we're just going to have like a Spider-Man episode one day, dude. That sounds really depressing in and of itself. <laughs> well, I mean, like that that's part of the... That's part of the, not allure, but like that's always been part of the mythos of Spider-Man. Like he, you know, outside of his jokes and his jovial nature and his youth and his energy and his quips, like he is, he is inherently a tragic figure. Oh, and yeah. part of the tragedy of being Spider-Man is that he doesn't get to live a normal life that he wants, you know, and um, you know, his uncle was taken away from him, you know, d- depending on which comics you read, like his aunt was taken from him, um, you know, and, and his girlfriend was taken from him. And, and but he still feels like he has a responsibility to the people he has to protect and he has to keep a strong face and he has to and he has to pretend like everything's OK because I'm Spider-Man. That's what you have to do, you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's that's part of why people love him. That's why that's part of what I loved him. That's part of what drew me to him when I was a kid and started reading his comics. You know? Yeah. I'm starting to think that uh, as far as sadness goes, Batman has nothing on Spider-Man. Get out of here, Batman. Oh, your mom oh, and daddy died. Oh, oh, Robin was killed. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. <laughs> oh, you wear all black. Oh, you must be sad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all uh, I got uh, uh, before right. we get to the, the 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 meat of our list. Did you have any uh, movies that you wanted to shout out? Yes, yeah, so I have quite a list. I'm going to try to go through these as quick as possible. Yeah, dude, let's do it. All right. Uh, first, I want to bring up uh, just the end of the movie Logan. Oh, that was that was one I the, thought about too. Yeah, it, it doesn't hit me as hard as some, but it's just that thing of I I have 
the X-Men movies have been around basically my entire movie watching life. Mm-hmm. Like I was like three or four when the first X-Men movie came out. So it's like I, Hugh Jackman has always been Wolverine. It's an iconic character. Mm-hmm. And see, like it was a very, I guess I didn't pause this because it is like a satisfying ending. Yeah, it's one of those bittersweet things. Yeah, it's very bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, like, on the one hand, he did save those kids. But on the other hand, we're not going to see Hugh Jackman play Logan anymore, like both on screen and like, you know, he's stepping away from that character, you know? Yeah, so that that one was definitely on there because... Then yeah. uh, oh, that was when I openly wept in the movie theater too. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I definitely it definitely got me teary eyed. What I've learned is I don't often openly cry, but I get teary eyed real easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, also, I have like one that I kind of throw in here because I think if you're like around your and my age around there, you gotta put Mufasa from Lion King. Ah, oh, the very first movie I saw in theaters. And I was what? What year did that come out? I don't remember the year I came. It came out, out like ninety four, like, I, I think. Okay, so I would have been uh, nine. So that was my first movie theater experience, and you know, I went with my grandma, and we went to the local theater, and I was like, "Oh, cool, a fun little lion movie, yay!" He's like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh, no yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I." My family owned that one on VHS, and apparently, my mm-hmm. parents said that I would just wear that movie out because I was like obsessed with lions as a little kid. Mm-hmm. I say, and it's just like, I say, you know, I, I thought I was like, oh, I've watched it so many times, it doesn't affect me. And then my fiance had us watch the remake, and it just came back again. You know, I haven't seen the remake. Uh, it's amazing. Mostly, most just mostly out of silent protest. Really, I to be you. honest, uh, but, I, um, I don't like the Disney remakes. That one's good. I really like it. Okay. They cool, they cool. change enough that it's justified as a remake while still keeping to the core of what that movie is. Okay. Yeah. And they help it, make it, it more Afrocentric, which I think. Oh, that's I good. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I uh, think the only non African American actor is uh, John Oliver voices Zazu, right? Zazu, yeah. and then uh, I think it's Seth. I think Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. So right. Yeah. From, if, aside from if I that, that correctly, yeah. Yeah, it's like so. I really think it's one of the only ones that justifies being remade. Oh, a uh, 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 a little aside though, if you haven't checked this out, uh, check out the Cinderella remake. Like it's it's genuinely good. It is my favorite of the remakes that I've seen, and it's and and like you said, it justifies itself as being a remake because it fills in plot where there was no plot in the original. Um, it explains a lot uh it gets rid of like all the fluff of the animated original too and it and it really fleshes out cinderella as a character and the prince as well as prince and prince charming and like you really feel their love more in this one where they're you know it's it, it the original is adapting a fairy tale so characterization wasn't like the the, the focal point so if, if you have a if you you know if you have some spare time I genuinely recommend um, Cinderella, the, the, the remake. And again, you know, some sad moments in there, baby. All right. I will have to do that. We'll have to redo this list once you see Cinderella. I guarantee you. <laughs> there, uh, yep. Let's see what else I heard. Uh, the ending of Interstellar. Oh, boy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Love throughout time, huh? Yeah, that. 
I said, like, I'll, I'll be honest to say that Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite directors of all time. Mm-hmm. I said, but it's like, I think that is his best movie. Yeah, same here. Yeah, Inter- Interstellar really is like him working at his best. And all of like the Christopher Nolan issues that I have with him as like a auteur don't exist in Interstellar. I think that's like his most solid film. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree. And just like I said, that Matthew McConaughey, like he has never blown me away as an actor until that movie. Like that, oh, I've yeah, never dude. seen him so good. The height of the McConaissance. Yes. Let's <laughs> see. Let's see. Uh, real quick, I have uh, Bridge of Terabithia because that movie's just sad. <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen that one because I that that's one that like I know is sad. So yeah. I, I think I just haven't seen it because of that. Yeah, well, I was the right the uh, the target demographic when it came out, and just the uh, the main female leads death is just it's just really sad. And I really like how they have the other char- the main character react to it, like how a ten or eleven year old would react to hearing that their best friend is dead. Oh my god! Like it's just like it's almost like that. I don't believe it. Like even like Sheriff tells his parents that like, you're lying. She's not dead. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and just how he reacts to it, how he like has to imagine it, because at that age you don't even really have a good concept for what death is. Yeah, so yeah. You get, so you get to see like his imagination kind of go out with what he thinks happened to her after she died, and it's just that's a really good movie. All right, I'll add it to the list. Let's see. I'll, I, I think I'm ready for it now. <laughs> All right. That's a, and the last one I have is from a movie that is amazing, and I am never going to watch this film again. Manchester by the Sea. Oh, oh, that is just sad porn, dude. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, all right. If you had to take a while, guess what scene am I talking about? Because you know, I know I could... what scene you're talking about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it. I'm just. But like, also that whole movie, just, dude. That's what I say. There's like four scenes I could have put on this list from that. <laughs> that one but uh, certainly it's just like the ending like, is what kills me just that i can't beat it like that's just yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah and, and that's not on your list that's not on my list because i only watched it once oh okay <laughs> so i'm not and again i remember this very vividly i listened to i watched this movie like the week after that last brand new album came out. So I just listened to that album and then went to watch this movie. And I'm like, that's a thing you should never do in injunction conjunction. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Listen to the saddest album of 2017 and then watch probably the saddest movie of 2017. Good job, Daniel. <laughs> I know. It's like, why did I do this to myself? Well, and then here we are now. So we got our, uh, uh, our five saddest movie scenes in films. We love Daniel, since this was your idea, genius why don't uh why don't you go ahead and get us started all right i'm going to start with a movie that i did just kind of mention in my unlisted ones but the scene hits a little bit harder Mm -hmm. i'm going to go with interstellar oh nice (laughs) i just mentioned it and i'm going to go with uh the messages oh wow yeah yeah because like I said, the ending is very bittersweet, I almost think. In a way, there's nothing bittersweet about that message scene. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it, it's, it's almost as if Christopher Nolan is... He, he like, concocted a recipe to make the maximum amount of people sad at once. <laughs> yes, because it's like... Because, again, you just got, you got Matthew McConaughey 
as they were coming back to the ship after I don't know exactly how long it's supposed to be, but like decades. That's <laughs> it. Uh, essay of messages left for him while he's been gone mm-hmm. so he hasn't aged but he gets to see all these videos of his son growing up and you know at first it's like oh this is really wholesome and he's, he's tearing up it's like okay this is very wholesome and bittersweet to see and then you get the last of his messages and it's just oh no mm, yeah it's like that yeah. whole scene is like a mini movie of just seeing a character spiral and get worse <laughs> Oh yeah, dude, and the, the pained expressions on his face—it's—it's it, it's yes. not just—and it's not just sadness and anger. It's just—it's also confusion. Like there's a little bit of regret in there too, almost, you know, and and maybe a little bit of like happiness as well. Like it's—it's it's such a complex array of face acting, as silly as that sounds, but it's so effective. And it just eats away at you as a, as as a viewer, man. What a yeah. great scene! Yeah, just like I say, like you said, just the as we mentioned, like the way McConaughey sells it, like mm-hmm. that, like his face just shows like every emotion. And then you see, like, then you have, get the last message from his daughter, and that just mm-hmm. like hits it whole. I think that's when I realized, like, oh yeah, this this is a really sad but amazing movie. Yeah, Interstellar is one of the. I mean, granted, I haven't seen Tenet yet um, because of the mixed reviews, but um, like Interstellar is probably my least watched uh, Christopher Nolan film because not because like I don't like it, but it's like it's because like I know what I'm getting myself into. Right? Yeah, like well, first of all, it's like his longest movie. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh yeah, you're right. It's like yeah. three hours long. And like I said, it's just like it's you kind of got mentally prepare. I don't have to mentally mm-hmm. prepare to watch The Dark Knight for the twentieth time. Oh yeah, yeah. As emotionally complex as The Dark Knight is, like you, it's it's still like a thrill ride. It's like a yeah. it's like a roller coaster. It still has like, that popcorn action movie coding, like which is yeah, what absolutely. I think no one usually does. Is he has complex themes wrapped up in action movie. Interstellar mm-hmm. is like where he kind of lets that drop and just lets you kind of like sit in it. Yeah, it's almost as if he's like with Interstellar, like he he kind of went back to like Memento or something mm-hmm. where it was it's a little bit more cerebral. Yes. It's a little bit more like heady, um, a lot less popcorny where there's popcorn elements. I mean, it's a sci- it's a spacefaring sci-fi film, which is and it's brilliant, like visually it's stunning, but uh but man are the are the emotions at play and the actors that he chose to portray those um those complex scenes like just brilliant and you're you're right dude it it's nolan's best film it's so yeah. good i say it, though on a quick note memento is one of my favorite films of all time <laughs> it's a great film yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right mike you're number five so we quick get so i don't get on a 20 minute tirade about how much i love christopher nolan <laughs> we can just turn this into the interstellar spoiler cast if you want you know <laughs> we went this far uh no a number five here um so not a sad movie, right? But it is um, one of the most thrilling and when and 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 hopefully years from now on my deathbed, when I look back on my life and I think about all like the amazing moments, you know, some of the amazing moments I've had in like movie theaters, like this movie will 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 definitely stand out, and that's Avengers: Infinity War, and uh, it's when uh, Thor forgot to go for the head, and. Um, uh, and, and you know it, it, it it's kind of like silly for me to put this 
movie on here, right? Like, could I have picked sadder movies? Right? Could I have swapped this for a Marriage Story or Coco or Spider Verse? Of course, I could have. But, um, but because I saw this in theaters with a packed crowd, with uh, my fiance at the time and my daughter, um, both who have been on the show, shout out. Um, but to, and 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 to have that moment where the where the score, um, where the score is gone. And you just see half of your heroes just dissipate into dust. And the and the reactions of the people around me, the the, the audible gasps, the the people whispering and shouting no, and my daughter like gripping my arm as her favorite superhero, Spider-Man, is because of, because of the nature of his spider sense is sensing that he's that some sensing is something is wrong something that and he sensing that he's about to die is begging Tony to like to save him and we, we see these all these characters that we've loved for when the, what movie that for 11 years with all, all, all these all these people that we've grown to love and grow attached to just poof they're gone and all because Thor didn't go for the head. Yeah. You know, all that, all that stuff too. And, and, you know, from where I was sitting too, right. Me knowing, Oh, end games coming next year, everything will get resolved. Right. And that's, that's in the back of my head. Oh, I've, I've been reading comics since I was a kid. I know everything will be fine. But in that singular moment, when Thanos snapped his fingers and half the universe dissipated, like I, like I felt like a kid and i felt scared and i felt i was on the same page as everybody else like exactly yeah yeah like i like i like we just saw black panther and he's gone dude like we and you know we everybody fell in love with spider-man last year he's gone you know and like the boldness of that movie to do that you know he, they could have just seen the like oh yeah black panther made a billion dollars everybody loves tom holland of course they're going to be in endgame right and not knowing what's going to happen for a year and how that became like a cultural moment. And to be a part of that, to be a witness to that, to cry with my family and a bunch of strangers uh, for our fictional friends on stage that we, you know, on, on the screen and we don't know if they're, if they're going to be okay or not. Like, Oh, touching man. Touching. Uh, yes, totally. Like, I, I watched the movie because well enough. Well, my fiance has not seen all of the Marvel movies. She did actually see infinity war and Endgame for me. Oh, cool. I say, so we actually, the first time of us watching infinity war together was at the house. And I think like I knew it was coming because I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I, I you, you can't avoid infinity awards. Well, spoilers i was just yeah yeah the weekend it happened everybody knew (laughs) yeah so like so i knew it and she already seen it so she knew it so it's like two people that we already know it's coming it doesn't make it hurt any less like i yeah man like i especially uh like just to say we we may not be done talking about that scene (laughs) oh baby (laughs) (laughs) and what makes that scene so effective too is like like i mentioned like the score just stops and we don't hear music for until the credits. And the only thing you hear besides characters saying goodbye and characters begging to stay alive are just like cracks of thunder that are rippling throughout the galaxy. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's chills, dude. Yeah. So but I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yes, yeah, so, so we'll, <laughs> we'll get into it further. All right, Daniel. 
make me tear up. Here we go. What's your number four? All right. My number four is a movie that I just watched this year because my fiance made me watch this entire movie series. Mike, are you familiar with the Hunger Games movies? Oh, yeah, I am. I, I, I love those. I love that series. I've read the books, too. Ah, I yes, my fiance owns all the books. She's a huge into them. I, I watched the original Hunger Games when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Catching Fire when it came out. I wasn't really a big mm. fan of Catching Fire. It just didn't grab me as much. So I never watched the last two movies. Okay, yeah, Mockingjays. So, yeah, so my fiance... Mockingjay part one and two. So my fiance said, like, well, let's watch these movies. So, yeah, we took... Over a few weekends, we watched the movies. And I was really getting into it. Like, Mockingjay part one, fantastic movie. And Mockingjay part two, which is the movie I'm going to talk about here. Mm. That is an amazing movie. Like that night jumped up to be one of my favorite movies of all time. Of all Great payoffs, it. man. Yeah. Great payoffs. And just like, if when we get to the near the end, like, you know, it's the big climactic battle. You know, it's, it's what you're going to expect from a YA dystopian movie. It's the, mm-hmm. we're going to come with a big battle. You know, we're going to defeat the bad guy, but you don't expect the bombs to go off. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And we get to see and just seeing like, again, it's like this is not a move where I'm expecting to see children get killed by bombs. That mm-hmm. is, that is not what I was expecting going into this movie series. And like that is sad in and of itself. And, and the whole movie after that, I am thinking that Katniss is not reacting how I think a person that just saw their sister get blown up as he should react. Like she's still like very like she's very determined to keep doing whatever she's doing. And I'm like, and I'm really starting to think like, I really like this movie. It, is it going to address this? Because we get the scene with her and her her boyfriend, basically, mm-hmm. I say after that. And that kind of touches on it. But I'm like, it's, I'm still not seeing the emotion of this. And you have that scene where you know, she's gone back home. And she's walking around that big house mm-hmm. all by herself. And then the cat is sitting there on the counter. Mm, yeah. And it's just like how how as soon as that scene started, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it's yeah, just it, like the, the shock finally hit her or, yeah. you know, whether she was just repressing. Oh, because she had to. She she was she was busy starting a resvo- revolution. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess she finally had a moment to process everything. It, it probably wasn't even just her sister's death. It was just the Everything. weight the yeah the weight of being the leader of this revolution and being all eyes on you yeah, and like being thrown into it because she never yeah. asked for this exactly yeah and oh just that way that like she says that like to sort of like she's gone you can go at the cat oh, and then yeah, just dude. like when she just starts screaming i see it and bre- finally breaks down on the floor like i i could not help it like i think that's it. Me and my fiance definitely both shared a good cry over that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is, is a that is definitely a powerful scene, and like I said, great payoffs and like to to and and for also you know Jennifer Lawrence too to play that character, and she plays her pretty stoic for a lot of that series too, yeah. right? And that's the nature of that character, and you know she was you know maybe it's because of the way that character is uh, written, but like you know she was. I remember her being like criticized in reviews for, for that, but like, no, she was just following the character, but then for her to find and for, you know, the audience to get that payoff too, where she's finally 
unleashing that stress and sadness and anger and in a in an almost like innocuous moment yeah and, oh my gosh, that's why i so love it because that's so real oh yeah i say like we've all had that moment like you know to like somebody or it's like just stuff keeps piling on you and piling on you you just have to keep going because you don't have time to sit and think about it mm-hmm. and after yeah, you deal, i'll deal with it later you know? yeah and you highlight and you just you have that moment where it's just still or quiet and there's just your your brain can finally process it and you just break mm-hmm. i think yeah. that's why like it's like that is just so relatable and like you said jennifer lawrence like that is class a performance mm-hmm. yeah she uh, you know she was definitely like thrust into the mainstream uh because of those movies too and you know and she's gone on to do a lot more films where she gets to ex like show off how talented she is as an actor but uh yeah that that movie i don't hear a lot of people talking about how great she was as katniss and specifically you know towards the end of that series and it's 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 if you want like a great acting showcase like like hunger games is a great place to get it yeah, I think that the problem is it, since it's a YA movie, it kind of just gets thrown in with all your divergence and maze runners. Yeah, but of course, you know, this is like the the yeah. cream of the crop. Yeah, know? so as I told me, I was like, just because it's YA, there is a wide berth between Twilight and Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet, my, and, you know, and yet my fiance loves them both equally. So. Oh, yeah, dude. Every every fandom is valid. No, no yes. one just because, you know, you, you can make fun of somebody for liking Twilight, but like, dude, you like Spider-Man. Come on. Stop. Exactly. That, that's <laughs> what that's what I've always told people. It's like, I'm not going to make fun of you for liking Twilight because one of my favorite stories involves a billionaire dressing up like a bat to beat up an evil clown. It's oh, yeah. absurd. And he, and he thinks he's so sad because, oh, he lost his mommy, daddy. Boo hoo, rich boy. <laughs> yeah, great choice, dude. I wasn't expecting uh, I was expecting to, uh, to bring up a uh, Mockingjay. great choice all right mike Uh, you're number four yes have you heard of a movie that came out uh, a couple years ago i believe it was also nominated uh, a a very rare comedy movie i guess it's kind of it's more comedy than anything a very rare comedy movie being nominated for best picture uh called jojo rabbit i i have not watched it but i know of it because i listen to a podcast where they uh basically just full spoiler dive into it oh Right on, dude. Yeah, this is directed, uh, written by Taika Waititi, who is, uh, you know, if you're a Marvel fan, also uh, he's becoming a very uh, prolific name in the movie industry because of his auteurship and his quick wit. And he's also an actor, you know, so and and he's been he's directed a few films. Uh, This is uh, an original movie of his. Uh, It takes place in uh, Nazi Germany during the height of World War Two. And it follows a young little German boy who goes by the name of Jojo, who like idolizes Hitler, right? Like he wants to be a part of the Hitler youth. And um, he even has an imaginary friend who is like his ideal version of Adolf Hitler. And he, and he's played by uh, Taika Waititi, like in a, in a very like buffoonish um, manner. And it's a, it's a, weird movie to recommend right like, I, I, hey, you uh, wanna... <laughs> and here i am like glorifying like yeah. I'm, I'm like saying it so yeah like, like, you can't really like you talk about people are like, like why are you recommending a movie about, about child that idolizes hitler i'm like no, no, just, you guys you want to watch you <laughs> i'm like just hold on let's see watch the movie then you'll understand <laughs> yeah yeah but um that being said like i mean it's a it's a very odd and somewhat uncomfortable premise, but like it's a brilliant film. Like it's a it's a great 
comedic drama and it deals with very real issues um one of which is like um there were german there were german people who were hiding uh jews in their homes like in the crawl spaces or in the attics or um and um like in the basements of their homes and trying to hide them from the nazi occupation and um you find out like like a good half an hour into this film that uh, scarlett johansson's character who is jojo's mother uh her, her name is rosie like she was hiding a, a young jewish woman in her home and keeping it from jojo uh, jojo eventually finds out that the girl is in there but you know she doesn't he doesn't know because he's kind of naive too right um uh he doesn't know that like his mother has anything to do with it um so anyway we get throughout the course of the film we kind of see see perspectives from like rosie's point of view from Jojo's point of view and like how idealistically they're very different. Um, Rosie has to like pretend because uh, I think she's also part of like the Reich. I think if I remember correctly, I think she's an officer. Um, but so she has to pretend that like, she's, you know, all about, all about the Nazis and things like that. But while helping Jewish people escape Nazi occupied Germany, uh, eventually towards the end of the film, this is towards the end of the war at this point too, um, she gets she gets found out and it's established early in the film that when you know if 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 the nazis find out that you're conspiring against them or just doing something that they didn't like they'll just hang you and they'll just hang you in the town square like in the gallows and there's this wonderful scene where jojo and the actor playing jojo is this wonderfully bright-eyed young man and like he does a great job like expressing the innocence of a child and there's this beautiful scene where he's like walking towards uh, town square and he's like chasing this pretty little butterfly and he's chasing it around like just trying to catch it and then he accidentally bumps into a pair of legs and um because rosie was a very fashionable woman too like we know immediately that like those are Rosie's legs. So the Nazis found out everything that she was doing. Um, and in a beautiful performance that the the young actor gives, he's just kind of looking up at her. We never see her from like the knees up. It's just the, 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 the shot holds on him, just realizing that his mother is dead. And, and there is this reoccurring joke i guess um where rosie is constantly trying to remind jojo that you need to tie your shoes and she tries to because he's also very young he doesn't know how to tie his shoes yet um there's even a joke about it like oh this guy he, you you want you want to be a member of the army you can't even tie your shoes and jojo sees that one of her shoes are untied and and she he, he tries to tie it for her and he can't because he because he still doesn't know how and so all he does is just hug her legs and says goodbye to his mother in his own little nazi way i guess um yeah and it's it's a it's a powerful moment in a movie you weren't expecting it to 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 hit you in that in that way because you know the, the whole movie it's not glorifying nazism or nazi germany or anything like that it really is just making light of hitler himself and nazi ideals and you know just just those people um as a whole and but it was still telling a very human powerful message about 
the effect it has on real people. And like real people were affected by this and real people died because of this, all this, like, you know, we look back at it, it's pet, this pettiness. It's like, Oh, you, you hated people because they were born or believe a certain thing. Like this is this, like the stupidest reason to hate another human being. Um, but you know, people died and nations fell because of these ideologies. And that's what the movie's about. You know, it makes light of these things, but that doesn't make it any less dangerous. And, you know, so stuff like that, you know, might have bearing in, you know, 2021. I'm just, you know, just, just an, just an observation. Just, just uh, my keep your politics out of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, we just, uh, I'm going to, this will be the last episode of the dorkiest ever. I, I accidentally brought politics to the podcast. We're, we're done. Uh, I think we're good. I think you, I, and most of our audience would agree. <laughs> I would hope so. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but again, like pa- great movie, man. And it's, it's well-earned the um, uh, best picture nomination. Yeah, man, that sounds amazing. I, it's on my, it's on my list of things to watch at some point. Yeah, and, and again, if you just want some great performances, like Jojo Rabbit, it's a great place to get it. Yep. All right, Mike. <laughs> what you got there, Daniel? <laughs> I think we're done. What you got there? <laughs> I think we're halfway through this list. <laughs> oh, darn it. Okay. Um, all right, so, well, mine is going to be one that you've already brought up. Ooh, baby. I say, because my number three is Infinity War. Oh. <sighs> so good dude so and, uh, good. and it sounds like you went broader picture with the okay. with the snap scene i focused mm-hmm. in on the specific scene within the scene that just pretty much broke me and mm. so what you mentioned because it's like we always go for it it's spider-man yeah <laughs> and just tom holland's performance like because like you said because of his spider sense he knows that the snap is coming before it happens to him. Yeah. And just that, as soon as he said, like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. I was mm-hmm. like, that my heart sinks. And just like he said, like, like Tony goes to grab me. He's just like grabbing onto Tony. Like, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And so it's just like that. It breaks me every time. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's, it's so effective. Even since this day, I've seen that movie. No joke. Like 12 times at this point. Right. And like, and it chokes me up every time. And like once in a while, like I'll still sneak a tear here and there. And it, and, it, and it's all that performance, man. It's like, we've got the best spider. Like one day he's not going to be our Spider-Man. And that depresses me. Yes. But like Tom Holland is <laughs> even in his short tenure has proved to me that he is far away. The best Spider-Man we have ever had on the big mm-hmm. screen. Absolutely, man. And he's, and he's earned it. And, um, and, and, and the power of that scene. And he's acting with one of the best actors in the MCU too. Like, and Tony gave almost a wordless, excuse me. He gave almost a wordless performance in that scene as well. He was just holding him and trying to reassure him that it's going to be okay. Even when he knew it wasn't going to be okay. Yeah. And just like, we're going a lot of, I'm going back to is like the face acting is or like, mm-hmm. is cause just like I said, like Armadale Jr. Like his facial expressions. Why is that? He's just holding mm-hmm. Spider-Man. It's just so good. And this was after like, they just realized that they lo- that they, that they failed at what they were trying to do. Tony just got stabbed through the stomach 
he just saw Doctor Strange give away the time stone and then just and the next thing you know, like the guy, the 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 boy he was mentoring to be like him but better than him, he he failed him. He did he, he and and of course because Tony is Tony, he feels like it was his fault. It was yes. he brought he brought him here. If 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 he if I never gave him that spider suit, he would have never been here. And he wouldn't have, he probably would, he'd probably be okay. You know, little, little did he know, right? It was random, but um, yeah. my God, what a scene. That That is the defining scene of that snap. Oh, know? yes, yes, completely. Like I said, I, was just, I, I think back, it's like no other actor that's played Spider-Man, I think, could pull that off as effectively. But I mean, like, Tobey Maguire gave pizza to that one secretary once. It's pizza time. <laughs> no, no, this is uh, <laughs> a, a bit of a tangent. This is my thing, is that, I've always said this that to- uh, that Topher Grace, not Topher Grace, Tom McGuire. Why did I say Topher Grace? He was in that movie, though. I <laughs> say <laughs> <That's> Tom <laughs> McGuire was a good Spider Man, but he was not a good Peter Parker. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel and uh, Andrew Garfield feel, was a great Peter Parker, Parker but, not a very good Spider Man. And I said that's why I love Tom Holland because he gets the you know, that serious, like that pained part of being Peter Parker, but still the gets the jokey jokes of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a and, perfect balance. And there's like so much like subtle acting with um, Tom Holland too, because you know we never see him deal with the Uncle Ben situation like we did with the other two, but when he brings it up, it you, there's like a there's subtle like like his like he like his shoulders shrink a little bit. Like, there's a moment in Civil War where what I think he's talking to, yeah, he's talking with Tony and he says like when what happened happened, like you know. I had to be there for her talking about, you know, uncle Ben and, and, and Aunt May, like, and you see that like his body language changes. He's like very meek. He doesn't want to talk about it. Like it still hurts him. And my, my goodness, Tom Holland, you, you, you little boy, Tom Holland. Oh, hello. I'm Spider-Man, Mr. Feige. But, uh... <laughs> yes, uh, and as we mentioned, I think it was last episode. He doesn't age. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to be a four. He's going to be a 40 year old high schooler. Um, Peter Parker, and uh, I mean, we don't need another Spider-Man, if you ask me. We're just nope. gonna have him forever. Yeah, yes, we just have him <laughs> un- until, he- and then we just trade it off to Miles Morales when he gets too old to play Spider-Man anymore. Yeah, and just like Into the Spider-Verse has proved, we can have an old janky Spider-Man, and it'd be great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see, number three for me, baby. Here we go. The most emotionally manipulative film on my list uh oh no <laughs> somebody uh there's somebody in the skinny with mike and adam community who is very unfair about this film i love this film this is um one of my favorite films of all time yet yeah, is it emotionally manipulative yeah of course it is but like are the performances in a great yeah of course it is 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 is, is it just a great tug at your heartstrings type of film Oh yeah, of course. It's Forrest Gump, baby. And um within in Forrest Gump, like Tom Hanks just doing what Tom Hanks does best, just as complex acting throughout different eras of um of America. And the the entirety of the movie is has sad moments, of course. It has triumphant moments as well. Um, but the the the, the final eulogy that he gives to his wife jenny at the end under their under their tree that they used to hang out or they used to spend a lot of time together with when they were kids is 
it, it, it's it's a breaking moment for me you know that it's it's a it's also like a release of all this tension that i've kept inside um you know jenny finally being at peace after living such a difficult life forest who in a rare moment in his in the film and in his life is exhibiting such wisdom and knowledge to you know the spirit of his wife at, at her grave and yeah, he gets you know, really it, existential. He does, too, yeah, which is it, not what you're expecting from this character. And and it's and it's not a, and and it's it's existential in that Forrest Gump sort of way, right? He says it in a, in a way that anyone can understand, you know, you know the the you know, the the the, the nature of fate, and how he thinks it's a little bit of both. You know, sometimes like we're, you know he thinks that we're just floating, uh, you know, floating through the sky, or that we're you know. We're locked into our faith, you know, but, you know, Forrest believes it's a little bit of both. And it's, it's, it's just beautiful and how he just never, he's never broken a promise in his whole life. And he continues to make promises to his wife that he's going to take care of their son and he's going to make sure that he gets the best education and he's going to live a good life. And he's always going to be a good father to, to him. And because we've seen the film and we know that he never breaks his promises, we know that he's going to um, hold true to those. And if Jenny was around or if Jenny heard her, heard him wherever she was, then she can die knowing uh, that, you know, both Forrest and Little Forrest are going to be okay. And it's just the s- saddest moment of that film. And it's just a great finale. And I, I and, and you still walk away from the movie happy, um, even though one of the primary characters dies. And but he, but she dies happy because they finally made their way back to each other. You know, yes, beautiful film. Any any time a husband loses a wife, it's it's in in a movie or in real life, of course, too. But like, it's 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 sometimes it's too much for me to handle you know yeah i get you and mike i'm just happy to talk to somebody else that actually likes this movie Who? i don't know I... anyone that everyone <laughs> in my life says they don't like this movie and i feel like i'm insane <laughs> why is this like a new thing like this weird forrest gump hate is it is it like a contrarian thing i, I don't know like because my parents say they don't like it just i don't know what the reason they say they don't like it and my fiance says she doesn't like it which I guess her, <gasps> argu- her argument is she doesn't like it because it's too sad. Why would I want to watch this? <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I can understand that a little more than yeah, just it's thinking it's a bad movie. the same reason why we movie. listen to sad songs. Yeah, but yes, I, I love this movie. I probably should have mentioned it somewhere on my list, but uh, just had a lot of st- But I guess I haven't watched the movie in so long, it was in the front of my mind. But yes, Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of great examples on your list too. So, you know, no, no worries. I, I got you, boo. Yeah. I said, but anybody that says that movie's emotionally manipulative, I know it's a thing people like to say about Tom Hanks and Spielberg movies in mm-hmm. general, but I'm also like, well, every movie's emotionally manipulative when you get down to it, so I don't think it's a fair criticism. Yeah, but everything around that movie, too, is great. Great, um, There's great practical effects. Like It's just a great story. It's just a great little time capsule of American culture and American history, and there's nobody in that film that is not acting the heck 
out of their lines. And yes. it's just a brilliant film. I love it. I love yes. every second of that. And film. I love every character. Every character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every character is like, great. Like, yeah. I know people Lieutenant give a Dan hard time. Is my favorite, one of my favorite characters. <laughs> and he's great, dude. And he, and the arc that he goes through, too, is is beautiful. And, like, I've, I've shed tears to, like, Lieutenant Dan scenes because it's just... Like, you know, when he shows up to the wedding, like, I remember, like, the second or third time I saw that film when I was so much younger, I was like, and it hit me like, oh, my God, he's a he's literally a changed man. Right. Yeah. And, and and like and it's reflected in his magic legs and yeah, <laughs> and the, the, the implications of like how important Forrest was in his life that like he made the trek out there to be at his wedding. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like I love Lieutenant Dan. Yes, yes. And like people give Jenny a hard time too, and like I, I get, I, I get, get it. it. Yeah, but like that, she still goes through an arc too, right? And like yeah. she was a, she was a product of like abuse, like like very intense abuse. So yeah. it would make sense that she would kind of act the way that she would, you know? Yeah, that's it. And it's just to me, it's a very real movie. Like all these characters act just like so much like just real people. Hmm. Beautiful film. I yes, love it. Yes. I you're making me want to watch it again now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch all these films sometime soon, dude. Yeah, Alright. So alright, Mike. You're ready for my number two? I'm ready, dude. Well, we're not done talking about Marvel movies yet. Ooh, which one you got now? Well, I'm my last one I mentioned was Infinity War. So it only makes sense that my number two be Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> see, for me, I always see those two as like um, a, th- a single film yeah but, you know I've, people yeah. think that's cheating but like whatever yeah. i i think give you it could. to me dude give it to me <laughs> which is the scene you know what it is it is saying goodbye to tony stark mm. another just, snap it's yeah the second snap yes, the second snap but it's just like you know how i meant i mentioned with with logan that it's like seeing a, a character that i love for so long i see mm-hmm. him say for one of them it to me the Tony Stark death seat is like that is the end of Logan times a hundred mm-hmm. because yeah. I was like nine, ten years old when Iron Man came out, and I love yeah, that right. movie. Like that movie, probably along with like Batman Begins, are like two of the first comic book movies that made me love comic book movies. Those are great choices. So I've been like following this character and and Tony's character arc for what is that like? Oh, like over a decade almost a decade and a half yeah so uh endgame came out 2019 so 11 years yeah yeah. 12 11 years something like that but it's just like so it's like such a big part of me and just like it's not even it's like his death it's how every you get to see everyone's reaction to it like seeing roadie's face when he knows what's happening like that that hurts so bad and uh and to me of course the one that when it really hard to get in. it's again spider-man spidey <laughs> yeah it's just like when peter goes like we won mr stark hey we won it's okay it, it's mm-hmm. just like that again almost that weird almost naivete of like like him not accepting that he's gone and, mm-hmm. and then of course when it's when i just break is when pepper sits down next to him yeah i was about to say that too the and and it's not even like a big moment too. And it's beautiful no. because Pep now it's Pepper's turn to be strong, right? Yeah. Pepper kneels down next to her husband and 
she just says Friday and doesn't ask anything. Friday knows exactly what she's um, yeah. asking or talking about. And now she tells him, like, she tells her husband, like, yeah, it's okay. It's the, we're we're going to be okay. And, yeah. you know, not just we, your wife and your daughter, like, the rest of us are going to be okay because of the sacrifice you you um, gave to us. Yeah, it's just... <sighs> Yeah, the, the that, pepper part the is, pepper the, is, is the, the worst part. It's the me. one that just like it kills me. Like I, I am never gonna watch the scene and not cry like a baby. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and the the movie rolls on too. We get yeah. to still see more. The funeral um, scene is great, <laughs> and it's just a beautiful like montage too. And like you, we get to see all the people that he directly affected and indirectly affected as well. Um, just just their paying their respects, you know, whether they were friends, whether they were frenemies, whether they were like just colleagues or anything like that. Like yeah. he still was such an important person, not just to the movie series, uh, not just to like the MCU, but like he was important to that universe. Right. Yeah. And Avengers one, he saved the city and Avengers two, he event he saved the world and in an, an Avengers endgame. He saved the universe. You yeah. Know? Like I said, and it's funny because my fiance, like I said, she hasn't seen all the Marvel movies that we just recently, a while back, watched Iron Man 3, and that gave her a whole our same when she was like, wait, that's the kid from the scene and endgame? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, and that, like, which I love that they brought that actor back for that. Like, yeah, that is... just a little subtly. But we don't, you don't have to like say his name or anything. He's just that he's there. And it's for yeah. the people who have seen that movie, you know? Yeah. I said it's just like Endgame to me is like a movie full of bittersweet endings because then of course you get the scene with Cap and yeah the the, the Cap thing was when I like fully like and my wife can like attest to this too because I was like in her shoulder um, during the Cap scene and like just he finally got to dance with his girl he finally got to keep his promise that he um, for that date uh at the end of uh captain america the first avenger what a beautiful film endgame is man and like it did the impossible right it wrapped it it up (laughs) it wrapped up this multi-part series in 21 i think it's 21 films at that point and like and it everything wrapped up in a neat bow while still opening things up for the future and the characters who we're not going to see anymore got to have a a great goodbye, except for Black Widow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, Tony got a funeral, and like, and and Black Widow got what, like Wanda and Clint. Like, she was pretty great, wasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that, that's a little like okay, but yeah, like, but, you know. but like, you can't deny Endgame. And I, I will say, Endgame is the best comic book movie of oh all my time. Gosh. It life. is. It is. Not only is it one of my favorite films, it is the best theater experience I've ever had in my life. I so wish I would have seen it in theaters, man. Oh my gosh, yeah. And that was was one I was nervous about, too. I was worried that, like, people were going to be rude and start hooting and hollering in, like, inappropriate moments. Um, Because if anyone's going to hoot and holler in a a movie, it's going to be for Endgame, right? But, like, we're so lucky. Like, the crowd that we went to was, like, as engaged as we were. And... You know, the portal scene when everyone started coming through portals, that's when like the cheers came on, when Spider-Man flew through, when when, T'Ch- uh, when T'Challa walked through, dude, 
the on your left like payoff oh my god like the entire theater erupted for everybody that walked through and it was beautiful and i and like it's still so vivid in my mind my gosh endgame it's like it's like the saddest it's the happiest it's the most exhilarating film it, i've ever just, seen it's just one of the best films of all time man like you it's just can't good, deny dude. it it's and I think that's part of the reason why I almost held off watching it for a while was because I was almost convinced like it's not going to live up the hype. I was terrified it wasn't going to live up to the hype that people were praying for it. And it's like, and somehow it did. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it, around the same time too, um, I think a week or two prior, um, my other imaginary friend Starks also did their finale and they buffed it. <laughs> a Game of Thrones is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about those stars mike i don't know what you're talking about it got canceled after season six i don't know what you're talking about yeah i i yeah i know i, I some fever dream in my head something about like daenerys suddenly Going lighting people crazy. on fire for no reason because they liked her boyfriend more i don't know it was yeah I, d- I feel like i had the same weird fever dream mm-hmm. let's see and then uh, suddenly Peter Dinklage and Kit Harrington forgot how to act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who who tells the best stories? Uh, oh, yeah, Brian. <laughs> who? Which job is the most important? That's right, the storyteller. I, like, oh, I I'm just like stroking their ego. Dude. I, it's, okay, I I almost made you have to edit, but I was like. Screw you, <laughs> yeah, guys. I'm yeah. just like no, that's the things where when it ended, I, tirade quickly of my own. It's those things where I I tried to justify it for a long time. I was like, well, it wasn't that bad. It was disappointing, but it's like the long, the further I get away from it, the angrier it makes me. Mm-hmm. The more you time you think about that finale, like the the worse it gets. Yeah, and like like you said though, like where everybody end up is perfectly fine. Like the fact that like that 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 lore ended up in a somewhat of a a, 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 a democratic republic right like or oh they invented a democratic republic and like brand being king is cool it's like creepy but it's cool and it makes sense for that lore but like they needed like four more seasons to get there yes it's just like (laughs) it it, like i said that's why i will never understand like because i just watched a video about talking about terrible TV show endings and people will compare like lost to game of Thrones. I'm like, go back and watch it. It's not on the same level. <laughs> I will defend oh, the ending boy. of lost till the day I die. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I said, it's a shame that like the, the, the show uh, got canceled after Jon Snow died. I want to know what happens next. Oh, we'll just have to wait for the books to come out. We'll just have to wait for the books. It's okay. It's for the best. Yes. <laughs> uh, one day I'll be able to read the winds of winter with my grandchildren when it comes out <laughs> one day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see my number two here, Daniel, you know, you talked about the ending of a long running series. Um, I'm going to be talking about the first five minutes of a movie. Um, this is a Pixar film, of course. And, uh, I when, I say, what's coming. when I say first five minutes of a film and I say Pixar, everyone knows what it is. It's up. Uh, you know, I took my daughter to that. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. She was too young. Anyway, uh, uh, I think I took my ex-wife to that. And um, we saw it in the theater. And it was like on a weekend, a weeknight or whatever. It wasn't too many people in there. And we were just expecting like, oh, a fun little adventure. It, you know, it would be a great little romp. You know, a, a, an old man and a young and a young little Boy Scout going on going on spelunking adventures with a with a funny dog. Uh, and the the opening montage of um, 
well, what's his name? Uh, Mr. F- uh, Carl and uh, meeting little Ellie for the first time. Uh, you know, two, two longtime fans of the Explorer, uh, Charles Muntz, and how their friendship eventually blossoms into a, a budding romance, how their romance blossoms into a, uh, into a marriage, and how their marriage, like, how, 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 how they, because of their shared love of the Explorer, um, they, they have these dreams that they want to go on together. They always want to go to Paradise Falls. They always want to go on these um, adventures together as, as husband and wife and, and families want to do, right? It makes, makes perfect sense. But because of, like, you know, life, some things get in the way, like, you know, like a tree falls on our roof. Like, oh, I, you know, I broke both my arms or whatever the case may be. Like, had to, they, you know, they had to dip into their savings. And these things happen to people every now and then. And, you know, they want to go on another adventure, too. And that's the adventure of parenthood. And we see them prepping the nursery. We see them, uh, you know, looking at baby clothes. We see them, uh, you know, look, you know, setting up the crib and painting the walls and setting up the mobile and things like that. And then the immediate cut to um, Carl consoling his wife at the doctor's. And uh, oh. we see that she is miscarried or is unable to unable to have children. We don't know. It's left to our imagination, but that's part of, that's part of the sadness. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and it's, it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful told scene. That's all music. And the, the, the story is told through the music and, you know, the piano slows when it needs to, the, the piano swells up when, when, when he's trying to cheer up his wife, uh, you know, after she's just kind of meditating and reflecting in the uh, on, on the lawn or in the meadow or something and then we can then we see them continue on with their life you know they you know it, it's it's not the end of the world they have each other still and we continue on they're still trying they're, st- they're still they're still giving it their best you know doing stuff that husbands and wives want to do they're starting to settle in and they're getting a little bit older and they're getting a little bit older and they're getting a little bit older and then um eventually it Start, things aren't you know things aren't as easy anymore and you know they can't just hop up to the meadow where they go to read a read a book and have a picnic anymore it's getting a little bit harder for ellie and um and then it cuts to her funeral you know and and and, and suddenly the bright loving expressions that carl has on his face have, have just washed and it's almost as if the color of the film just kind of fades into like a muted grays beiges browns and it's because ellie was like the color and the brightness in carl's life and you know when you find somebody that you love and is your soulmate and means so much to you that you want to go on all these adventures with and you lose that person it's almost as if the color is just gone from your life you know um and all that is just told in this beautiful short film, just the life that these two shared together, and um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's 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 just a beautiful montage. The rest of the movie is pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> but not... that that first scene. A couple of thoughts that I always have, which are weird brain associations, make is like you said, like that is just a beautiful beginning. It's that uh, whenever I think about that, especially the scene of them like painting like the nursery, right? Follow immediately mm-hmm. by the scene at the hospital. In my head, I always connect that with that. I see with an album by Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties that we oh, don't have right. each other because that's a very similar 
topic in that album. Yeah, yeah. But I, I always thanks think for it, bringing that album to my mind. I, I, <laughs> I'm I, talking about this scene. <laughs> I listen to it a lot. You know, like, I cannot separate the two in my head now. Like when I listen yeah, to yeah. that song, I think of this movie. Also, mm-hmm. Mike, if you want like that premise of seeing an, a couple go through their life like nope. that, but if nope. you want that in, in nope. a whole movie, <laughs> you want a whole movie of that. Let's see. Watch the longest ride. <laughs> Like my fiance Long made me ride. watch. Right. It's a Nicholas Sparks film. Oh, oh no! <laughs> it, I, no, it, I was not expecting. No, no I, don't, I don't mean oh no for the quality. I mean oh no for like I know what that means. <laughs> yeah, you know what that means. But yeah, the Longest Ride probably the best Nicholas Sparks movie in my opinion. Oh, cool. It's um, it's really good. <laughs> I love the Notebook, dude. The Notebook's such a good movie. Is it weird that that's the only Nicholas Sparks movie my fiance hasn't watched? Oh, really? <laughs> like she ha- owns that's... like all of them are behind me on the shelf. Except for the notebook. Oh, dude, like, dude, finish the fight, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, so I told her, I was like, I have to tell her, Mike says you have to watch the notebook, so you have to do it now. <laughs> there you go. It's on the dorkiest. Therefore, we're all going to hold her to it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, I was definitely not, de- definitely not prepared to go to a fun Disney Pixar film about a, about a house that floats with balloons and, you know, having my heart wrenched to this day. And I still, I've, I have a 0% win streak with that film, by the way. I cannot see that film and not cry. And like I said with like Forrest Gump, you know, husbands losing their wives is is too real and too intense, like for me personally. And it's like one of my greatest fears too, right? So like, you know, when you see that realized in an art form, like it's, you know, I can't handle it, you know? So I yeah, thanks so. up thanks a lot up <laughs> darn you pixar yeah they're, they're they've always been they've always done such a good job at like making you cry unintentionally like the ending of toy story 3 dude come oh, on come on me. <laughs> they've been doing it disney's been doing it to a since bambi oh dude <laughs> i know tell me about they it they haven't let up it's almost as if like they're like, it's almost as if they have like a bet with one another like oh no yo oh oh really Toy Story three let me oh wait wait till my movie up comes up <laughs> or or whenever whoever was first I don't know yeah <laughs> all right Mike. out of the way everybody I've got Coco <laughs> <laughs> that's all right all right Mike you ready for the number one again this is your fault Daniel and yes. um, whatever happens from here with your number one and also my number one. Um, let it be known. This was your idea, and yes. also I'm revoking your privileges of um, coming up with show topics from now. On. <laughs> I understand, Mike. I understand. So my my number one comes from I would probably say what arguably might be the most important movie in my life. Mm. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite or even the best, but it's definitely like the most important film in my life to help like formulate by like my tastes my mm. love of fantasy i say uh, yeah one of my earliest movie watching memories was from this series of films which are really just one 12 hour film when you really stop to think about it oh but uh my saddest movie moment is from the first part of this trilogy Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Mm, 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 mm. We're talking extended edition, right? No, That's not uh, us around here. All right, of course, of course. <laughs> and it has to be 
that man, I say that lovable, that lovable actor that just, he dies a lot, but he may, often makes you feel things with his deaths. Mm-hmm. At least sometimes when he goes that he gets to redeem himself, you know? Yes. So obviously I am talking about the death of Boromir. Mm-hmm. And just, if we're going to talk about actors selling a performance, Sean Bean, like, just kills it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and that's not to, that's not to make light of any of the other actors. Like, it's just, it's just a cavalcade of amazing actors oh, yes. in one amazing, like you said, 12 hour film. Yes. And like I said, there are plenty of other moments I could have picked from this series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. But this is the one that just gets me every time. Like you talk about having a zero win streak with a five, a zero win streak with this scene. <laughs> That's it. Cause it's just like, and, yeah, dude, this, this, this scene chokes me up every single time. Like, and you know, he asks for forgiveness and like his way of forgiving his way of asking for forgiveness is like, is, is his sacrifice. You know? Yeah. And I just love it because you have this character that up till this point has been so selfish and like mm-hmm. single minded on what he's trying to do. And the just arrogance like, too. Yes. You know? Yes. The arrogance, which if you know, if you go to the other two movies, you, you kind of get why he's like that given his father. But mm-hmm. that's it. But he's been so arrogant. But when he's laying there and Aragorn runs up to him, he doesn't ask us like help me i'm dying his first thing he says is they took the little one like he's not concerned mm-hmm. about himself in that moment probably for the first time in his life you know yeah, from like, what we from what we know of him yeah right? from what we've seen it's the first time that he is totally not concerned about himself he's concerned uh, about them and uh like i said you get like i said you get his very like he's going down a very dark frame of mind as he's dying let's mm-hmm. see and Aragorn, you know, Aragorn makes him the promise that he makes him. And then, of course, you get to the part of the scene to me that I'm I'm never not going to tear up hearing this line. I would follow you. That's him, my, that's him, my brother, my captain, my king. It just that yeah. scene breaks me. Wonderfully delivered as well. Right. And like, and this scene too is the catalyst for the other two films. Like, the other two films would not exist or i mean you know of course they exist but like they wouldn't like the adventure cannot continue without aragorn you know stalling for time and letting them letting the the hobbits escape you know yeah and i and i do think this scene is a huge catalyst for aragorn's character as well because you know you can see throughout the movie he's been kind of reluctant to accept that he's supposed to be the king and yeah. like when he makes that promise to Boromir, you tell that's really when he's like he's committed to it. So like he's done kind of almost like running from his destiny, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Which I know is a big change from the books because for I say for book people, but you know it, it works perfectly for what the movie is going for. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it fits thematically too. You know, and this is now even though this is like the end of this film, it's like it's it almost acts as if like the beginning of act two and like we're yeah. we're continuing on from here and again because of boromir's sacrifice like the, the the hobbits are able to make it to uh to the to the end of their journey and um aragorn is 
continues on and becomes the king because of this, you know, and it's, yeah, it's just a, just a great moment. It's a great way to end this film. Such a, yeah. And, and like, this wasn't one that I watched in the theaters too. And I wish that I did because then I would have gotten the hype, you know, I, I would have gotten that like one year wait. Like I would have like yeah. get gotten really excited for uh, two towers and yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. Great moment. Mm-hmm. So am I. You're right. Yeah. You're right though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. Good. All right, Mike. Uh, come on. Give it right, to here me. We go. Make me hurt. <laughs> we we talking about the zero win streaks? Here we go, baby. Grave of the Fireflies, one of the best films I've ever seen oh, in my God. life. 1988. This is a Studio Ghibli film. Um, and it's you know takes takes a lot of. Ins- this is actually adapted from a Japanese short story, actually. Um, so it, you know, it, it, it has its origins in another source material. Um, but this takes place in 1945, um, after the end of the, after end of World War II, and rather it begins here. Um, so the moment that I, uh, have you seen the movie by the way? I, I have not. I know, I know about it, but it's, okay, on, my, so, it's on my list of, stu- I, I hope to own every Studio Ghibli movie at some point. <laughs> that's, that's one of our life goals too, dude. <laughs> that's it. So, uh, I, I have it's dreams. On, it's on my list. I will, uh, but, um, what, what's great about this movie, not only is like, is, is it exquisitely told, exquisitely animated, exquisitely acted. Uh, I've, I've only seen it once. I've only seen the, the English dub. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Japanese voice actors are doing a great job as well. Um, but um, the, the film begins and ends on the same scene. It's a beautiful bookend, right? And um, if you don't know, the movie, uh, like I said, takes place shortly after World War II. And it follows the, um, it follows the story of two young kids, uh, both uh, their names Saita and Setsuko. And uh, one's the older brother, and the and the other one's the younger sister. And the the, the story end. Uh, the story begins where we see, um, uh, where we see the boy, um, dying of starvation in a at a like uh like in an, in an abandoned like train station. And there's like custodial staff just still like sweeping. We see, we still see like devastation of not only like attacks on the city of uh, the city it takes place in kobe by the way and um which was heavily like firebombed during the war and um that's which is, which is where a lot of this devastation comes from and so we 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 we, we, we immediately see like the devastation of war throughout the, the there's dead bodies um strewn about and the custodians not that they're cold to it they're just kind of like numb to it. This is just every day. They're just kind of still sweeping as best they can. And they come across um, Saito's body and he, and he slumps over cause he's, you know, he died from malnutrition and like a little like candy tin, like falls off of his body. And the, you know, the custodian like picks it up, kind of checks what's in it. You know, just, I, you know, he's trying to um, forage to like, everyone's not doing so well. Um, he doesn't have anything you look into the you know so he throws it and uh you know it tips over where it lands and we see that you know the audience sees it like there's like kind of scuff stuff in there it's like scuffy um we're not we're not you're not really entirely sure what's in there by the end of the film you know exactly what's in that tin can and it's and it's and it's 
so heartbreaking that like right after that right after that beginning scene we, we flash back to like a few months earlier and what what leads to that scene so like so so by the end of the movie we go back to the scene that we um we arrived at it with with saita and um you know we, throughout the film like we see that he had a little sister named uh setsuko um she's not there by the end of the movie but um uh i, I mean that's probably for for people who haven't seen it it's not a popular film it's a i, I think it's a movie that's kind of well known to like it, it's not well known to be like like everybody knows about this film but like it, it's well known enough where like people have probably heard of this film yeah but, uh, it, it, yeah and the, it makes like a lot of if you look at alliance's compilation videos of saddest movie moments whatever oh like, sure it, it <laughs> makes imagine. those so if you've watched so though if watch those you'll be familiar with this name of this movie yeah the film itself is just an unapologetic deconstruction about the horrors of war yeah told from the most innocent um through through the eyes of the most innocent you know we, we you know even though for the most part like 99 percent of every war movie is an anti-war movie we always we, we almost always see it from like the perspective of like generals and soldiers and armies and and things like that good versus evil or you know morally gray areas of things like that but this is one of those films like where we see the real cost of war and it's yes. just real people people I, who wanted nothing to do with this yeah and i think more movies and fiction should totally do that mm-hmm. i say there is a book series that i haven't started but everybody says that's exactly what it is if you watch uh uh see i gotta think of the name of it real quick you can keep vamping i gotta find it real quick mm-hmm but um, yeah, like I said, the, the 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 cost of war is the human lives. It's the people who are just trying to go about their daily lives who don't care about the politics, who don't care about who's right or who's wrong. They're just trying to they're just they just trying to live their life. And you know, for these rice farmers who live in Kobe, who had their entire lives devastated by these fire bombings and um, these and and the people who lost their mothers and fathers who were made homeless, who the people who have suffered long emotional and physical scars. And, and I love that this film just doesn't shy away from it. You know, we, we, when we think of studio Ghibli, we think of things like spirited away and my neighbor Totoro and, and even just some more mature films like, you know, castle in the sky and princess Mononoke. But like, this is by far like their most intense film that isn't like that isn't like not appropriate for children like there's yeah. intense moments in here but it's very real right like i yes. like i wouldn't mind showing this to like a 10 year old like a maybe a, like a mature 10 year old yeah i was thinking um, of like 10 12 somewhere on that yeah absolutely so like it's it's just a devastating film there's little glimpses of hope in here which which makes it even more devastating by the end but you know it's, it's it's a film that like i always say i'm gonna return to because i because it is such a beautiful film and i want to kind of enjoy it on its own merits but like it's just it's too devastating and i know that it's because it's you know it's this is what real people are going through like even to this day like people in the middle east like they they go through these same things with like drone strikes and and you know and and you know terrorist shell groups like just 
forcing them from their homes and killing innocent people. And it's like, you know, we don't like thinking about that kind of stuff. We like thinking of tanks and soldiers and missiles and pew, pew, pew. And like, you know, which is just hiding the fact that like war is ugly and, um, and the more people are exposed to that ugliness, then I think more people will like wake up to like the realities of what, you know, actually goes on when you're not looking at like the glamorous side of it. And yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Grave of the Fireflies. Yes. One of the most impactful films of my entire life. Yeah. And that book series I was thinking of, that's a book series called The Poppy War. I haven't read it. It's on my TBR. But it's very much the about Poppy that. War. Yeah. It's about like, it's a fantasy series based off of like, like medieval, like Chinese, Japanese wars. That's the end. I've heard everybody, also every person I've heard says that it's great because it focuses mostly on the war from the perspective of the civilians. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds awesome, man. So this yeah. is like a, like a series of novels? Yes, I believe it's like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a fantasy trilogy. I'm pretty sure. So. Okay, cool. I'll definitely have to look into this. I'm sure I can get it digitally somewhere. Yeah. And like I said, any of just like Great Fireflies, I, I think like I said, why that movie like seems so much heavier is because you're getting that Studio Ghibli like themes where because you know, Studio Ghibli always has very adult themes in their oh yeah movies, but it's usually it has this coating of like you know some kind of fantastical element that like oh, is yeah. also wide eyed whimsy to it that helps it like and that's just not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another Studio Ghibli film that was pretty recent too called The Wind Rises, which is also very similar. It's it's an anti war film. Uh, told from the perspective of like a of, of an engineer who helped build planes for the army and like ah, how yes. he I remember this yeah. movie and yeah beautiful film again Studio Ghibli no fantastical elements it's just telling the story of the impacts of war and the ugliness of it um, you know, I, I gotta be honest that I do think that Miyazaki has done like anti-war movies better than probably anyone else oh absolutely man and, and like the 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 beauty and imagination of that artist's mind it, like it, it constantly it, it's something that I think about a lot, like how like the, the impact that his movies always have, even like the fantasy films, like they, they all have a message, right? Yeah. They're, they're all like, a, you know, a Shintoistic type of message that like really um, uh, resonates with me. So, yeah, like uh, like I said, Princess Mononoke is the best environmental message movie Absolutely. I've ever seen. It's yeah. a lot better than Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> Erica heard you say that, and her mouth is a gate. I, I, I heard a gasp on the other end. I was like, "Did something happen to my headphones?" No, that's my wife. My wife loves Ferngully, and you know, uh, she, I don't. You haven't seen um, Princess Mononoke, right? So she's shaking her head no. So you know, you you can like Princess Mononoke and Ferngully love. Sorry. <laughs> I just will be saying that this one doesn't have Robin Williams rapping. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, have you? When was the last time you saw Princess Mononoke? I'm just, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, get us out of this 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 sad spiral and tell me what you got there. <laughs> oh, oh, over here, away from my mountain of tissues. Yeah, yeah. Please. All right. I have, I'm sure you're sitting in a tub of your own tears right now. Yes, I, I, I did. I do need to take a bath so the tears. Let's, do. Uh, let's lighten the mood a bit, bud. Yes, I, I went with the most lighthearted, nonsensical 
thing that I've currently been enjoying with my fiance. So I got some Riverdale. <laughs> Riverdale, ooh, Archie, baby. <laughs> this show is amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. Like my daughter actually, um, I don't know if she's gonna hear this, so like I'm sorry, Zoe, ahead of time to air your dirty, not dirty laundry, but like air your personal laundry out there. She had a huge crush. Not anymore, because she's only into 2D boys. She had a huge crush on um, Cole Sprouse, dude. Jughead. Uh, which, which is so amazing. That was a thing that when like I learned Cole Sprouse was in this, I was like, really? Because <laughs> you know, my age, that's like perfect for me watching yeah, yeah. him as a little kid on <laughs> Disney Channel. <laughs> what was the name of the show? The, uh, Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Life, Life, right? Yeah, Sweet Life. Yeah, which I, I watched that show religiously as a child, so it was funny oh, wow, seeing, cool. <laughs> seeing him in this. But I it, to me, it's just like, it is a brilliant kind of like turn your brain off entertainment because I, I hear it's like pretty like emotional and it, yes but it can also be emotional yes so like because it's generally every season is a different mystery like murder mystery or some conspiracy that has to be uncovered and you know you watch it a little bit it's a little bit ridiculous that these four teenagers are able to do this better than the police <laughs> and, and there, like I said there is some absurdity to it like at one point, Archie basically gets involved with the mob. <laughs> and that's like a bit... I'm like, again, it's all these 25-year-old actors, like 25, 28-year-old actors playing 16-year-olds, so it is kind of, That's my kind of, favorite genre of entertainment, by yes, the way. No. Like, grown-ass adults like playing teenagers. That's my favorite. No, and, and the problem is, this show is, like, it's too self-aware for its own good sometimes oh, really? with some scenes because there's a scene where uh, to give an example there's a scene where we're doing a school play and they get one of the characters mothers to be in it and the guy's like i know it's not traditional but i hate age inappropriate casting <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> like oh no no now no. that is some wink into the audience uh, I think. and like the very first thing they say is one of the guys is like he's like you're being a stereotype is that are you is it? and the person's like I, I was really because I didn't know being the gay best friend was still a thing. Like they call it out. Like it's one of those things where <laughs> well, that's the, cool. Yeah, the writers know what kind of show this is, so they're not gonna pretend. Like that, but we're not. It's you get invested with the characters as they like all. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Oh, I imagine how before, many seasons is it in right now? It's like we're like half. We're like in the break halfway through season five. I'm currently. Uh, my fiance's already watched all all of it, but I'm re- she's watching it with me, so we're like over halfway through season three. <laughs> and, and, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, so it, it's currently still ongoing. That's it. That's it. But like I said, it's just that it's kind of that CW like wink, 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 nudge, nudge, like cheesiness that I I have not had in a while. Mm-hmm. So it really fits that itch. I mean, the point where uh, we have Archie being in a prison fight club and then getting mauled by a bear. (laughs) He got mauled by a bear? Yeah. What? (laughs) It's just like, the absurdity is they never have any teenage antagonists. So it's just like these six... Yes. So it's like these 16-year-olds are like, season one is trying to find out who a murderer is. Season two is dealing with a serial killer. season three is let's take down a mob boss who's also one of the main force dad it's it's so absurd but i love every second of it you know archie comics is no stranger to absurdity too there's um once in a while archie comics and archie 
himself would cross over with various other comic book characters. Did you know that Archie and gang once had a run-in with Marvel's The Punisher? <laughs> I, actually, not, I think I did. I think I have heard of this. Actually. Not kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I heard about this. And I just sat there for a minute like, what is that going to be? <laughs> so I guess, you know, Riverdale is just kind of being in line with like Archie, you know, old Archie lore, you know? Yeah. Like that, yeah. So if you just like said, I, I, I unapologetically like love the absurdity of the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that you used the term unapologetic. Cause that's going to play in a bit. Yeah. Mike, Mike, what you got there? Oh. You, you teased me before you recorded and I'm terrified. So I mentioned to you before, but you're either going to love the boldness of this or you're just going to sit there tapping your toes waiting for me to shut my mouth until this until this episode's over so you know what uh i'm going to give you an out uh, uh daniel when you're ready if you're at if you're at all ready for me to stop talking about this cuz you can't take it anymore i just want you right into the mic just go cease this all right <laughs> daniel to celebrate the upcoming film we're recording this on uh, August 2nd. Uh, on, on August 6th, uh, The Suicide Squad is coming out. I'm really excited about that. You know, we got James Gunn doing his rendition of The Suicide Squad. We got returning cast members like Harley Quinn, baby. We got Viola Davis coming up, baby. So to celebrate my what you got there today is 2016's David Ayer's Suicide Squad. <laughs> Hold on there. All right, here we go. I know what you guys are thinking. Oh, my, that's such a bad film. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's just a big music video. You know what? You're right. That's fine, baby. Oh, but Jerry Leto's Joker is like the worst thing that ever happened. Yeah, yeah you know what? You're right, baby. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Here's what we're going to do, baby. We're going to talk about the merits of 2016's Suicide Squad, directed by, actually, not directed by David Ayer. He's gone on record many times and talked about how Warner Brothers took that film away from him, just like Zack Snyder. You know what? I talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's only appropriate we're talking about this film here, too, baby. We got harley quinn margot robbie probably one of the best things to come out of dc films in a long time you know who we don't talk about a lot will smith baby will smith that's right big willie style himself talking about dead shot cool little cool little cool little mix on the dead shot lore dude he is awesome as dead shot dude he plays that role perfectly as a conflicted killer dude just trying to do right by his daughter yeah i mean does does he always do the right thing no he does and that's why he's on the suicide squad baby he's got great chemistry with margot robbie you know it you know jared leto joker yep <laughs> You know who else is doing a great job here, dude? Viola Davis doing a great job, dude. Man, like as as um oh gosh, what is her name? I forgot her name already. Yeah, uh, what was Amanda that? Waller. Amanda Waller. Thank you, my beautiful wife. Amanda Waller, dude. She, she is menacing, just as menacing as she is in the comic books, dude. She's got that. She's got those. But is she as menacing plans. as she is an arrow? Was Viola Davis an Arrow? I don't <laughs> no, know. Amanda, I Amanda Waller was. <laughs> oh, I've seen. How much Arrow have I seen? Love like half a season. 
I've seen four seasons of it, Mike. Oh, Daniel's seen four seasons of it. All right. That, well, you know I, what? I say that sadly, not with pride. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that. You know what, dude? I'm going to go out and say it. Viola Davis is better than the Arrow Amanda Waller. Oh, here we go. Somebody stop me. Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag. You know what? He's a little generic of a guy, but you know what? You got to play it straight lace, dude. You got to keep the you got to keep this you got to keep this these people in line, dude. Great. He's he's doing great. I love him. You know who's you know who else is doing great? The actor who plays Killer Croc. I can't pronounce his name, but he was but he was in um um that HBO series about prison. Yeah, that one. <laughs> dude, they could have just as easily made Killer Croc a CGI monstrosity, but no, they didn't, dude. They went practical. And he, you know, maybe other than that weird crawling scene where he goes into the suit. <laughs> where he goes into the... <laughs> yeah, it looks dopey, but you know what? We got a live action Killer Croc for the first time and hopefully not the last time on film, baby. You know who else we got for the first time? Dude, in Dude, Katana, dude, she's got my back. Dude, her sword swallows the souls of those she kills, dude. I would advise not being killed by her. Dude, this is a fun film, dude. You can't tell me this film isn't fun. Is it? Is it an editing nightmare? Yeah, of yes. course it is. <laughs> Does Jared Leto's Joker make this thing a train wreck? Yes. <laughs> You know what? You know what, dude? We got some Ben Affleck Batman. I talk, I have, I've, I've saving the best part for last. Anytime we got Ben Affleck's Batman in a film, dude, you got my attention. You know what else he's coming out? He's coming up in the Flash movie that's coming out next year, baby. Multiple Batman. We got Ben Affleck Batman. I'm just rambling at this point, dude. You know who I'm else? I'm just waiting to see how long you can keep going. <laughs> Oh, don't even get me started. Jai Courtney as as Captain Boomerang, dude. He's one of the highlights of the film, baby. Like, you can't I, I tell me. I will give you that. He is magnetic on film, man. That reinterpretation of that dopey villain, that dopey Flash villain. Also, um, quick little aside, that little scene where um, the Flash captures him, that was, that was directed by one Zack Snyder. That's right. Release the Snyder cut. That's right throw away the justice league where, where where it belongs you know what i watch this film over the justice league any day give me this film it is it like i said editing nightmare yes is it a lot of fun absolutely is the giant is is the is the villain at the end like a giant butthole laser in the sky absolutely but you know what harley quinn dead shot live action killer croc katana she's got my back <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna apologize for this film and I'm not gonna apologize for having a good time with this bad film. Yes. Uh I, I would I, I've always said that this movie the movie is great because the characters are great, even if the plot is nonsensical and very boring. What plot? Exactly. <laughs> As I said, if you could throw away the villain that makes no sense and is not interesting at all, and throw away well, whatever Jared Leto is doing go back to making terrible pop music sir please yeah hunka hunka <laughs> oh don't remind me about that but i said if you can take a get rid of all that if you just focus on the actual suicide squad themselves they make the movie entertaining they do and this you know my my, my silliness aside they do each individually go through a great character growth and it's it there there's a good movie in here and I really just like with Zack Snyder's Justice League, I hope that we see the air cut one day. I want to yeah. see um, if 
what the original vision of this could have been without all the weird radio songs, without the, without it being an editing nightmare, without Warner Brothers trying to pretend this was the Guardians of the Galaxy. They got James Gunn to do it now. Finally. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm so excited for uh, the new Suicide Squad oh, yes. that's coming out this Friday. HBO Max, dude. Nice. Get it. So excited. You, do you have access to HBO Max? Are you going to be checking out the new one? I see. I don't. I have to check to see if I have access to HBO Max. I don't know cool. if I do. But I will be watching it. A hot take. My fiance watched the trailer. She says this movie looks terrible. And it made my soul hurt a little bit. And that'll do it for the end of the Torquist this week. Um, uh, I'm sad to <laughs> oh. say that we're going to be canceling all uh, Taylor's tirades from now on. Um, any chance that Taylor had to be on this show is now thrown. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, it's not a great trailer, uh, but, you know. I think her opinion Steve was she, she said it just didn't like she said the the costuming and stuff did I say it didn't look movie quality was her take. Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't uh, know if I agree with that either, but I was like, I think this must be just a diff- mattering of opinion and what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I mean, it, the movie's getting rave reviews too, like some of the highest reviews of any DC film, let alone the DCEU. But yeah, um, I mean, yes. you know, the DCEU needs something to like have it hit that stride. Yo, dude, didn't you just t- hear me talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, man? I've talk? heard you talk about <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League, Mike. Have you seen it yet? I, no, I don't. have not had the six hours to dedicate to And that's just part one. <laughs> I know. That's only half the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, just in, in excitement for the new Suicide Squad, I was just thinking about this film, too, and, like, how I... How how there is a good film in here, and like, and I totally agree with all of the, the the the, you know, the the reasons why people don't like this film or think it's a bad film. Like it it's objectively bad, but I don't think it's the director's fault, you know. Yeah, um, a... so yeah, hey, I, I I own it on DVD, so what am I saying? Oh, there you go. See, look at that. Daniel objectively loves it. He <laughs> loves David Ayer. He loves. I'm sorry, Warner Brothers' Suicide Squad. <laughs> Yes, I love it so much. I got it out of the $5 movie bin. Let's see, as a random date prompt. Oh, there you go. There you go. So you're going to, what I'm hearing, Daniel, is that you're going to watch this this week in in anticipation of uh, the new Suicide Squad movie. Perhaps. (laughs) Well, folks. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Dorkiest. We hope you had a great time. I know we talked about some bummer, um, uh, some bummer movies and some bummer moments but you know what like we mentioned in the beginning what makes us human man let's not ignore that side of our hearts and our souls anymore let's like let's explore let's not be afraid to to talk about this kind of stuff and let's not be afraid to um to to feel when we're when we're exploring art forms um yeah And, and thank you daniel for suggesting this i know this i could hear it in your voice sometimes it wasn't always easy to you know talk about them and you know, relive these uh movie moments i know it wasn't for me but uh yeah this this was a good one man thank you that's it well you're welcome i'm glad i could bring something to the table <laughs> yeah so uh we'll probably talk about something video game related on the next episode i've got some uh episode ideas that i want to toss your way daniel so i'll talk to you about that off air throughout the week uh but for my co-host daniel uh, shout out to my wife who was here the entire time listening to uh, listen to us uh, talk about this episode. And uh, thank you to the audience uh, for joining us once again. Um, getting closer to uh, getting a website for this uh, for, for, for our show. 
Um, I'm, I'm looking into uh, hosting sites, but I have like the general outline of the website all kind of mapped out. So stick with us, you know. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you can probably tweet at us. We're at uh, we're at at dorkiest podcast uh, if you want to talk to me over on instagram i'm at uh, mike where's prada uh daniel do you want to shout out uh anywhere where people might want to talk to you if 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 they're so inclined yeah yes well you can check me out i'm pretty active on twitter over as the at danny underscore m underscore leonard so that's it see you space daddy but yeah, that, that new album is going to be great. I can tell. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, you want to hit me up over there? He said I'm always available to chat about games, music, whatever. <laughs> yes, so we'll have some more gaming chat uh, with you guys sometime in the near future. And uh, and if, while we're at it here, but right, right before we cut out, uh, if you guys enjoy the show at, at all, um, if you could maybe share it with somebody uh maybe somebody who's like-minded maybe somebody like a family member or a friend sibling uh, a significant other or a partner like you know whoever you think might like some um maybe out of the box video game talk you know something that isn't just you know weekly news something that's more topic more passion based uh maybe share the show with them you know maybe, maybe kind of throw it their way see if they see if they like it you know even if they just check it out and not like it that's perfectly cool too you know i we just want to like get, get the word out there get people checking out this show um you know not not to make anybody feel guilty or anything you know you, those of you who are with us i very much appreciate it but you know the show's growth isn't really um growing as much as i was hoping that it was but you know so if anybody can do us a favor uh and and share the show as much as you can even just like leaving a review too if you want to leave your honest thoughts uh most podcast apps i know spotify apple uh google uh google podcast as well lets you review in app so um that would definitely help us here at the dorkiest uh so with that being said uh for my co-host daniel i am your co-host mike join us again dorks and be sad it's okay we've we, we've all been sad we can cry i've cried a couple times in this episode did you cry daniel i did we can all have a good cry and, and watch the suicide squad no not not the new one 2016